Would you go to Second uh, Peter? It's First Peter, isn't it? I should know, right? First uh, Peter two. First Peter two. If you haven't been with us on the last several Sunday mornings, we've been on the topic of the offerings of the Lord, and uh, we actually got into kind of part one of a particular thing last week that we'll be endeavoring to finish today. And let's look in First Peter two for our text. He said, 1 Peter 2, 5, you also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We've been made a holy priesthood. And here the specific thing he says, what does the priesthood do? To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Well, we have been made kings and priests to our God. More than once you see that in the New Testament. But what do priests do? Well, if you go back and study in the Old Testament, you see a lot of their time was involved in the offerings of the Lord. And so we've gone back and we've looked at the first offerings. And we've looked at free will offerings and we've looked at tithes and we've looked at first fruits. And last week we began talking about alms giving, alms offerings. And so let's uh, review a little bit and continue on that today. In Matthew 6, we read this last time, let's read it again. Matthew 6 verse 1, Jesus is speaking and he says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you do your alms. Notice he didn't say if. Right? It's just when. Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do alms, again, not if, but what? When. So how many in here do alms? All right. So when you do it. Let not your left hand know what your right hand does, that your alms may be in secret, and your Father which sees in secret himself shall reward you openly. Now one of the biggest things the Lord is ministering through this passage is what not to do in giving alms. Now let's review a little bit. Alms literally means compassionateness. And we went over in some detail about what this means. It is not feeling sorry for somebody and getting down over their situation. Alms is compassionateness toward, specifically the Bible calls, the poor. Well, who are the poor? What does that mean? Usually it talks about people who don't have adequate food, don't have adequate Clothes don't have adequate housing, but they are not succeeding in having their needs met. And if somebody doesn't have enough to eat or enough to wear or a decent place to stay, we should care. Right? 
And uh, not just feel sorry for them, but have compassion, which is love that moves to change the situation. Just feeling sorry and crying and feeling bad does no one any good. Jesus was moved with compassion toward the sick in his ministry. What was the result? They were healed. He didn't just cry and feel sorry for them. He was touched with the feeling of their infirmities and moved to do something about it. And that is almsgiving. Now we also saw from the book of James, he said if a brother or a sister is in need. And we camped on that, that our first obligation and responsibility is to our Christian brothers and sisters, not just to the poor of the world in general. Did you hear me? Not to say we can't do anything for poor unbelievers. There are times the Lord will lead you to. But first and foremost, our obligation is to our brothers and sisters in the family of God, right, that are in need. And, you know, God intended that people be moved to repentance when they see the goodness of God in our midst, when they see how we take care of our own. They should want to be part of us. Right? Because we take care of our own. And this is talking about the church family. Now let's go back to this thought about what he said not to do. He said don't do it in front of men to be seen of them. Now hold your place there and go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, he said in verse 3, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity or love, it profits me nothing. Now that's quite a statement, isn't it? You could give everything you have. All your goods to feed the poor and absolutely, as far as God's concerned, be unprofited. God not be impressed by it at all and you receive no reward for it. You could even give your body to be burned. You could give every natural thing you got, all your money, all your stuff and give up your body. And absolutely not please God with it and receive no reward for it. Profit you nothing in God. How can that be? Because it was not done in love. Well, why would somebody do it if not for love? Oh, for a whole host of reasons. Right? See, Matthew 6 said, for to be seen of men. We must be free of all the things in this world that have contaminated this holy thing before the Lord. We're going to see this a little bit later on, but provision has always been made in the things of God for meeting people's needs who were hurting. Old Testament, beginning days of the church, New Testament instruction, it's been a big thing to God from the beginning. But... 
In modern times, so much of so-called charitable things have become PR. And the main reason people do them is for public relations and for tax incentive and benefit. And you find out real quickly, if you take away the PR and you take away people knowing about it and you take away the tax incentive, now you'll know what you got. And I've seen more than once. I've seen people who tell me, you know, will I get a certain tax deduction on this? Well, on some things, you know, thank God we can. But on other things, they wanted to do them a certain way. And we said, well, no, no, you won't get anything for that. Well, then they don't do it. Well, no, that's a big problem. You know, I've had people in more than once in ministry call me up and say, you know, the Lord dealt with me to do this. A great thing financially. I said, well, praise God. Good. And then they said, well, would you do this? Or would you do that? Or will you, will you do this with me? And would you allow me to do this? Well, no. Well, now, if you don't do that, then I don't think I can do this. Well, now, you know, with me, it's always been real simple. The Lord either told you to do it or he didn't. Right? If he told you to do it, I recommend that you do it. Whether the people involved do what you think they ought to or not is really beside the point. But so many people have this mentality, you know, will you do this and I'll do this. And if I can get this, then I'll do this. And if I can get this much, then I'll give this much. Well, see, they're not being led by the Lord. You go before the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? Show me what to do. it, And then you do it. If they don't even appreciate it, you do it. If nobody knows it, you do it. Otherwise, you are doing things for to be seen of men. You're not doing things from the motive of love. And if it's not from love, you get no reward in the things of God for it. In these areas, we must examine our motives. We must examine our heart. And we must be devoid of wanting people to know. Right? <laughs> now, I know it sounds, uh, you know, like everybody already knows this, but do you understand this is a huge deal? With churches and ministries, people will do something if they can get in the paper with it. People will do stuff if it's announced from the platform. (laughs) Well, what if it's not? Well, if they won't do it, then they revealed their heart. That love was not the motive. Right? It was something else. For to be seen of men. And in those days, he said, you know, he's describing what would happen. People who are supposed to be big people in the church, they would sound a trumpet. What? Sowing so is about to give to the poor. <laughs> well, now there's so many things wrong with this. <laughs> Aren't this wrong on so many levels? 
One of them we've already talked about, wanting to be seen of men. Another, one reason why the Lord said this on this kind of giving, don't let one hand know what the other does. Well, what does that mean? It means discreet. Be discreet. Why? Because God cares about people who are hurting that they are not needlessly and unnecessarily embarrassed. Go to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, please. You're right there in 13. Just back up to chapter 11. Verse 20. 1 Corinthians 11:20. We read this uh, last week. But let's read it again. He said, when you come together in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. In eating, everyone takes before other his own supper, and one is hungry, another is drunk. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in, or despise you the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. He's reproving them. He is correcting them. The Spirit of God is through him. Because he said, you are embarrassing people who don't have. You're flaunting all your rich food and somebody sitting over here in the corner with a couple of crackers and you don't care. And you're doing all this big stuff and being a glutton and getting drunk and they don't have enough to even get full. And you're doing it in front of them and you call it the Lord's Supper. Does the Lord care if people are embarrassed? He does. You know, there's so many rich things about this, even in the Old Testament. The Bible talked about that, let's say a man, a man who was poor, and he uh, gave something as collateral, something in his house, and he defaulted on his loan, he couldn't pay his loan. The Lord told them, don't go in the man's house and take it. If it comes to that point, let him bring it out to you. Did you hear that? God is a God of honor, isn't he? And people who know him treat other people and treat each other with dignity and respect. And one of the most uncomfortable times is when somebody's hurting financially. Have you ever been there? I have. Phyllis and I have. When you're behind, you're hurting. I've had to call people before. Thank God not recently. But in times past, I've had to call people and say, I'm sorry. I told you I'd pay you this by such and such time. And I meant to. But I don't have it. If I had it, I'd pay you. I'm believing I will. As soon as I get it, I'll pay you. I can pay you $20 right now. And you know, every time, thank God it wasn't too many times like that. But people will work with that, usually. But see, the world is used to people not even trying. And not caring and not even trying to call or talk. Never ignore your creditors if you're behind. You call them before it gets too late. Did you hear me now? See the Bible talks about, Jesus talked about that. He said, get it straightened out while you're in the way with them. Lest they turn you over to the officer and the officer turn you over to the judge. And then you're going to pay the last penny. And that's what happens today. In today's society, people don't take care of things properly, and then they're turned over to collection. Did you hear me? And they're turned over to this. When, if we'd have humbled ourselves and had some faith and humility, God could have worked in the situation. So, 
In situations like that, though, I mean, people are already embarrassed. They already feel bad about it. No man wants to admit that he doesn't have the means. No woman wants to admit that they don't have the means to provide for the family or take care of their place to live. Nobody wants to admit that or have to deal with that. So if somebody's in that kind of situation and you're blessed and God deals with you to help them, should you not do it with discretion? You can do it and they don't even have to know where it came from. Right? And you can do it in such a way that they find out about it later. You can put money in their pocket when they weren't looking. Or you can cause it to come to them anonymously. And, and well, where did it come from? Well, it came from the Lord. Well, who did it? Well, you don't have to know. Right? And then they don't know who knew about their situation. So they don't have to be embarrassed around them either when they see them. So many things going on here. But the motivation is love. Love. And when you care about the people, you don't want it to be broadcast. Because you don't want them to feel bad. Or look bad. So you don't want it known what you did. When it's really about love. Now, go with me if you would to Luke. I said to you that in the Old Testament and the New, provision was made for the poor. In the Old Testament, if you want to read it sometime, don't go there right now, but Exodus 23, the Lord directed them that every seventh year, the harvest of the land was reserved for the poor of the land. And every year. When they reap their harvest, he said, don't go through and pick every olive off of the tree. Don't get every fig. He said, leave some. When you go through, he said, don't go back over and try to get every bit of the wheat. Leave some. Why? What was that for? It was for people who were hurting. Then they could come back after the harvest had been gathered and there's enough there to get plenty. Nationally, God made provision. Well, in the New Testament... I mean, one of the first things you see in the beginning days of the church, they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then what happened? They all got generous. Is that right? And they begin to give. And the Bible said, concerning in Acts 2 said, they that believed were together. They had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them out to men as every man had need. And Acts 6 said, talked about widows that were neglected. They had a problem when they finally got it straightened out. That were neglected in the daily ministration. They had a daily distribution for people who were hurting. Now that's something, isn't it? This is New Testament, isn't it? This is Bible. God cares about these things. We should care. But they must be done properly. Now in Luke 14... Are you there? Luke 14 and the 12th verse. Luke 14, 12. I'm reading in the New Living. Read whatever you have there. Said he turned to his host. So they're having a, uh, a dinner. And he turns to his host at the table. He said, when you put on a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they'll repay you by inviting you back. 
Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Then at the resurrection of the godly, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Let me answer a couple of very big questions concerning this. Because when you start talking about these things, sometimes you have people come out of the woodwork. Who say, well, yeah, I want the church to help me. And somebody say, what's wrong with that? Well, nothing if we know what to do. We've been given instructions on who not to help in the Bible. Did you know that? Number one, go to 1 Timothy 5. The Bible has all the answers. It tells you how to do things. 1 Timothy 5. Now I'm reading from the Amplified. 1 Timothy 5. Well, let me say this first. You're in 1 Timothy. You should read this first. Go to James. Excuse me. In James 1 and 27. James 1.27 says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the what? Fatherless and widows in their affliction. What does that mean? In their lack. In their hurting. Visit them in their times of lack and distress. Did you notice, what do these two have in common? Fatherless. And widows. Lack of family. Hmm? Now particularly in these days. You know. The man was usually the main one that God used in provision. You didn't see as much the women working in these days. As far as out in the world. But it still comes back to this. An incomplete family and lack of family. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now with that in mind, go back to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 5 and 3. 1 Timothy 5, 3, I'm reading out of the Amplified. He said, always treat with great consideration and give aid to those who are truly widowed And he adds solitary and without support. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, see to it that these are first made to understand that is their religious duty. To defray their natural obligation to those at home and make return to their parents or grandparents. This is acceptable in the sight of God. Now here's something to remember. Let's just take this phrase. People say, well, you know, well, so-and-so is hurting. I think the church ought to do something. Here are three things you need to answer. If you think that or say that or somebody else says that, the church ought to do something. Number one, these people who are hurting, do they have family? Because first and foremost, their family is supposed to take care of them. Their natural family. Did you hear me? 
Well, y'all are quiet. Is this right or not? What did he say? See, this whole passage, if you read the whole thing, you'll see that he is writing to him instruction from the Holy Ghost about putting widows on the role of the church. That is, the church is supporting them. And here he tells them, no, first thing you do is do they have family? And if they have family, their own family is supposed to take care of them. And you don't just put them, the church is not supposed to just automatically do something. Let me read this again. In the NIV. If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And repay their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. If a woman who's a real widow and is left entirely alone and desolate and has fixed her hope on God and perseveres in supplications and prayers night and day. Whereas she who lives in pleasure and self-gratification gives herself up to luxury and self-indulgence is dead while she lives. In other words, he said, don't just support somebody if they have family. He said, also, don't support somebody who's living a loose life. I don't care if they are hurting, if they are in trouble. Do they have faith in God? Are they trying to serve Him? Right? See, sometimes people don't like to hear those things, do they? <laughs> he said in verse 9, Let no one be put on the roll of widows who are to receive church support who's under 60 years of age or has been the wife of more than one man. He said, don't put them on. If they are younger, and if they've been married more than once, why he's saying, well, they'll probably get married again. Or if they're young, they could still get married or work. Right? Number one, somebody's hurting. What's the first question? Do they have family? Where's their family? We live in an age... Where people, they try to shirk their family responsibilities. Let the government do it. Let the church do it. No, number one. Number one, you take care of your own. This is talking about immediate physical family. Right? Children and grandchildren. Take care of parents, grandparents. Right? Number two. Go to uh, 2 Thessalonians, please. 2 Thessalonians 3. Some things make you shout. Some things make you think. (laughs) If we'd just go according to the word, we wouldn't have all the problems that people get embroiled in. In that passage we just got through reading, he told them, he said, you know, let a woman's family take care of her and if she's younger don't do it that the church may help those who are widows indeed see what happens so many times is churches get a whole bunch of programs going and a whole bunch of stuff going that the lord didn't tell them to do that's out of line of the word and now all their resources are spent in other places and when something really comes up they're short the enemy wants to do that with you and your personal finances He wants you to have so much stuff going on that the Lord didn't tell you to do that you're not able and ready to do things that you should do. 
But we're not ignorant of his devices, the devil's devices. We're going to do it the right way. So number one, do they have family? Number two, read in 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter, and the tenth verse. He said, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you. The NAS says this, uh, we gave you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Is this just a good idea, a great saying, or should we act on this? Now, notice, people have confused this one. They said, well, if somebody's not working, it didn't say not working. Read it again. What did it say? That translation said not willing. This one says what? Would not. There's a big difference between not working and not willing to work. Huge difference. A person who's willing to work, but just is at a place in their life where they don't have a job. That's not something to be ashamed and embarrassed of. But somebody who has opportunity after opportunity and they don't take it, that's a different thing. Folks who refuse to work should not be helped. Did you hear me? By the church or by, I don't care if it's your own relatives. See, the devil will try to use these things to impoverish you. Rob you. No. <laughs> it's amazing. There are people, I don't know if you know it or not, but there are people that go from church to church. And they're con men and women. And they know all the right things to say and all the scriptures to quote and all the things to do. If somebody's hurting, we care. Right? We're believing God to be powerful in finance to be able to help a lot of people. But just because somebody shows up and says, I need something, doesn't mean we start writing checks. You either. Right? Elsewise, you could wind up wasting your resources that God has given you. And then when something comes up and you're really supposed to do it, you don't have it. No. Number one, where's your family at? Sometimes people say, well, they don't want to help me. Why? (laughs) I can't call my family. Why? So people don't want to get into all this, do they? They're not, no, no, just write me a check. (laughs) That's not okay. Why is it you can't talk to your family? Why is it they're unwilling to help you? And then secondly, are you willing to work? If you're not willing to work, the Bible said you shouldn't eat. I didn't say that. Right? Who said that? If you're unwilling to work, you should not eat. And if people are unwilling to work, I don't care if it's your son, if it's your daughter, your grandchild, your brother or sister, you ain't supposed to feed them. If they're unwilling to work. 
get a lot of shouting on this kind of thing, don't you? <laughs> Let me read this again to you. He said, even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. Order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. We say this because we hear that there are some people among you who live lazy lives and do nothing except meddle in other people's business. Now them that are such, we command. Well, that's strong language, isn't it? He said he ordered them. If they weren't willing to work, then they're not to eat. Now he says, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. You need to be quiet and quit sticking your nose in other people's business. And you need to get a job and you need to get your own bread. This is what God has said. We are not to ignore it. Right? But if somebody is hurting, they would work if they could. They're in between things. There's numerous times we've helped people. But you can tell they're trying to do what they know to do. Right? They're not just sitting on the couch goofing off all day. And you know, how many understand that when you're in a low place, you can't be overly particular About your job. A job is a job. I ain't flipping burgers. Well then you won't have a burger then. I ain't sweeping floors. Then you won't have a floor. And you got to be willing. Right? You got to be willing. To do whatever it takes. And maybe you wish you were at another place. Maybe you used to be at a different place. But that used to be. It is what it is. Get with it. Do what you can. Right? You know. Phyllis and I were talking the other day. It was a guy standing on the side of the road with a sign. You know. I'll work. And it wasn't half a mile up the road from him. People advertising. Wanting to hire somebody. How'd you miss that? He had to walk right by him to stand on the street and hold his side. <laughs> Let me go over this again now. Somebody says, well, I think the church ought to do something for them. There's three things. The first two I've already covered. I think the church ought to do something for them. What's the first one? Where's their family? Right? We want to know that first. Secondly, what? Are you working? Why aren't you working? Are you willing to work? Right? Important. And then thirdly, something you need to understand. You say, well, I think the church ought to do something. You need to realize you are the church. Huh? You are the church. (laughs) So many times, you know, I've had people come to try to tell me something. You know, I think y'all ought to do this. And while they're talking, I'm realizing God is dealing with them to do this. And they want me to do it. Well, you know, God's really been dealing with me. 
And I just feel led that you <laughs> should. <laughs> no. Can you take care of it? Are you supposed to take care of it? And I thank God that has been happening in this church. Amen. And I, it pleases me. And I believe it pleases the Lord. Amen. You heard Phyllis has read these testimonies. Testimony after testimony. God dealt with you. And you didn't call anybody. You just got in your pocket. And took care of it. And you'll get the blessing on you, your family. Thanks be unto God forever. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, this is a little different message this morning, isn't it? Is it the Bible? Can you see it in the Word? Well, then we ought to live by the Word. Live by the Word. (laughs) Oh, boy. Some people didn't really want to hear this this morning. They they were hoping that we would be easy marks. Hmm? I've had people, you know, come by before and people call me and say, well, you know, you've got money. You know, so you're supposed to do something. You've got it and I don't, so you're supposed to help me. Said who? This kind of thing, you owe me something because you have something? Absolutely ignorance and distortion. No. Everything I have, everything this church has, everything this ministry has, everything you have, God gave to us. Every good thing. We are stewards of these resources. We are to spend them and distribute them, not just as somebody walks up and tells us to do. We're to do it as he directs. Right? He's already directed us very specifically in these passages. And the leading of the Holy Spirit is going to be in line with these things. Right? So we're compassionate. But we're not ignorant. Right? We're compassionate, we care, we're led, but we're not easily duped. Right? Go with me, if you would, in closing, to the book of Acts, the fourth chapter, and then 2 Corinthians, the eighth chapter. Acts 4 and 2 Corinthians 8. Thank you, Lord. Acts 4 and 34. These are the beginning days of the church. Are we a part of the same church? So what's true for them, is it true for us? What they did are we to do? Yes. Yes. Book of Acts, New Testament church. Acts 4.34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. Now we're talking about a big church. Thousands have been saved and people are being saved daily. You mean you got a church, 10,000, 20,000, and there's not one person in that church that is needy. Is that the will of God? Can God do that for us? Can he get this whole church family? As big as it'll ever get, can he get it to the place where not even one? Oh, come on, that's not excited enough. You and I got to be more excited about this. What do you mean? If you believe it, 
It excites you. Let me read this to you from the Amplified. There was not a destitute or a needy person among them. For as many, for, how did this happen? For as many as were owners of lands and houses proceeded to sell them. Now usually when you say that, people get quiet. And they go, well, I... Um, that's nice. And they have no concept for me to do it. It does us no good to read these things when we're unwilling to do them. Thank you, Lord. They were owners, and you got to back up a little bit, now you shout. They were owners of what? They were not renters of efficiencies. They were owners of houses and lands. You got a nice house here in Branson. You got a vacation home in Florida. You got a ski place up in Colorado. Huh? You got your cabin in the woods in Arkansas. Huh? And the Lord deal with you. Why don't you sell that ski place and put that money into some people's lives? You still got four homes. Come on now. Come on. This is you. This is me. So you liquidate that 20 acres. You still got 40 over here and 10 over here and 100 over here. But you sell that plot because the Lord dealt with you too. And you take care of some folk. Right? And if everybody in the church is blessed like this. And everybody's doing this kind of thing. You can see how that quickly and easily it come to the place where there is not even one. Who lacks? Everybody's taken care of. And the person that had to be helped three years ago. Just sold one of their houses this year to help somebody else. Why? Because you don't stay there. You were there, but you're not there now. Because God's brought you up. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Can you see this? Can you get a vision of this happening? This is not just something to read about long ago and go, "Mm, isn't that something? This is for today. God is just as big today as he was then. Faith works the same today as it did then. Can this happen in Branson, Missouri? Can it happen right here with Faith Life Church? God blesses us and blesses us and blesses us and we are free hearted and we're compassionate and we're not selfish and we sow to each other and bless each other and help each other. You got to be aware there are times when you'll find out about something and don't just think, well, isn't that something? No, why did you know about this? Why did you come to find out about that they are behind? Because most of the world, you're not aware of what's going on with them. The Bible said, love your neighbor 
nearby as yourself. There are people that you're going to come across their path. You're going to find out things. God's going to let you be privy to information. And you've got to ask yourself, why do I know this? Why did I find out about this? And realize again and again, it's time for me to do something. Not call somebody. Not notify somebody. Time for me to do. Do something. Act on it. Hallelujah. Now go to 2 Corinthians. We'll close, I think. Mm-mm-mm. I'm stirred up. God's got a plan for us, doesn't he? Oh, it's a good plan. <laughs> and if you have a strong ministry of ministering to the poor, it's because you ain't. Did you get that? Did you get that? Because you ain't. Second Corinthians 8. Oh, what a wonderful word right here. Second Corinthians 8. Verse 9. He said, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you... Through his poverty might be rich. What's God's will for us? Rich or poor? Or just in the middle somewhere? No. Rich. Rich. Listen to the New Living. He said, you know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus was. Though he was very rich, yet for your sakes... Not for his own. He became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Was he made poor? Yeah. They stripped him of even the clothes that he had and hung him on the cross. He became poor. Why? So that we could struggle? No. 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 So we could be rich. Do the poor have to stay poor? No. No, God changes your situation and now you become an instrument of him to change somebody else's situation. Right? And we believe it and we preach it and we practice it and we tell people, no, you don't have to stay down. You don't have to stay broke. You can come up. Here's something to help you get started. Now, don't eat all of it. Sow some of it. Right? We're coming up. He's making us rich. No more poor. Making us rich. And what did he say? He brought that whole church of thousands. I mean, we're talking about at least scores of thousands. Big church here we're talking about. Thousands got saved in one day. And then another day, thousands more. You add that, you know, to what was happening daily. This is a big church. And there was not one among them that lacked, that was poor. Stand on your feet, why don't you? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.